In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today's gospel reading is um, regarding the miracle of Christ healing, um, just so that nobody sleeps, you know, Um, is the gospel reading uh, on the miracle of Christ healing the demon-possessed blind and mute man. And the Pharisees, they accused Jesus of casting out the demon by the power of Beelzebub. And when I, when I read this gospel reading, it seemed that there were two opposing um, things that are in the gospel today, um, even in the context of the whole chapter, which today's gospel is a part of. But the two opposing things are when Jesus, he casts out the demon... Uh, without any particular consent or reaction from the possessed man. And then the other is that even while the Pharisees were, um, were making this accusation against Christ, Christ, he didn't, um, he didn't rebuke them. He, didn't, he was not you know, very uh, aggressive in, in his response. He sort of responded with a series of questions. And so... Why do I say that these seem opposing? Which, because in one, it's as if he's intervening regardless of the, of the other person's you know, um, will or their choice or any response. And in the other, he chooses not to rebuke the Pharisees in order for them to change, to, to correct them and to, you know, to say that your, your way is, uh, you know, will condemn you and, and so forth. Yes, in some contexts, Christ has been very straightforward in that sense, but particularly um, today with such a great, uh, um, you know, su- such a great accusation against Christ, he simply poses questions to them. He was very gentle in his response. And so in the same way, we sometimes wonder about God's seemingly random interventions or dealings, at times giving full freedom and at times Um, imposing himself. At times we desire God to impose himself on us or on others or on our society. And at times we want him to take a step back because there's something else that maybe is attractive uh, attractive to me. And he participates according to his will, which is always goodness. And God certainly has the right to interact with the world with believers and with non-believers. And it's not just because he is God, but he has a right to participate in the world because every creation has the, the rights and or ability to interact in and with the world because the world is made up of people, each having their own free will. And so when we speak about free will, we could think about two components of our free will. One is freedom, which determines the sort of tone of my life. But it's not, of course, absolute. We live in, a, in everyone lives in a society where there are certain rules or laws. And then there is destiny, which is what conditions our freedom. So, for example, if... Um, you know, if someone is a business owner and 
they have children and then as their children are growing up, they get them involved in the business that they own, then eventually maybe that child will agree or choose that I will continue my family's business. So there's freedom in that. But you could say that it was sort of their destiny because they were destined to continue in this, in this job because that's what they were conditioned to in their life. Kids live in a world of destiny. Uh, they don't have much freedom until they get older. Or we like to think so. And so but then, so free will is free judgment. My will seeks that which is good. So whatever the mind considers or judges to be good, then the will emerges accordingly. And the question of free will has always existed. Do we have free will? Are people predestined? We hear this, uh, you know, St. Paul speaks about predestination. Are we predestined? Um, is everything determined by external causes, the sort of idea of determinism? And we could say that it's a little bit of all of those things, which we'll reflect on. But it all started with the creation of Adam and Eve. There were, of course, external causes, and they had free will to obey God or not to obey God because of the existence of something in front of them that they were instructed not to touch, but were able to touch. But there's a difference between Adam and Eve and us. And the difference is that they were created before the corruption of the world. So thus, Adam and Eve were not inclined to sin. And this is why the first temptation that, that Satan had on Adam and Eve was not uh, like temptation to, here, take this as like a possession or something. Or you know, to tempt them with lust. Those, those wouldn't work because Adam and Eve were not inclined to sin. That is why the only possible temptation was to speculate for them, to speculate the legitimacy of God's love towards his creation. And so the only way to do that was to portray God as a selfish God. That's why I said, see... God, you love him so much, but notice that he wants to deprive you of certain things. How does that make you, you know, how, how is that love? And so they began to question the legitimacy of God's love towards his creation. That was how it had to happen. And so after the fall of Adam and Eve, we are born in corruption. We are born drawn towards sin. And it was at that time that self-consciousness began. Self-preoccupation began. Mankind who once looked outward towards God now focuses inward towards the self. And we know this, we see this when Adam and Eve, um, they didn't realize their nakedness because their will was the will of another. They looked outward and God was the determining factor of what was and wasn't good. So once I make my will the determining factor of good and evil, then I begin to look inward only. And it was then that they looked to the self and became self-conscious and they realized that they were naked. So now we have an inclination towards sin and the temptation of seeing God as one who doesn't support us, doesn't love us, doesn't desire us or interact with us. 
these temptations continue. And that's why we find in our confessions, we sort of find these two categories of, um, of, of sin. One is the shortcomings of my part in engaging with God, maybe struggling in prayer, in reading uh, spiritual reading or fasting. And then the other struggle, my, the other category is sort of the struggles with our passions. And so we have free will to seek good in and outside of all conditions, regardless of what they are. Today's gospel, we read, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Meaning, if we use the Spirit of God, who contains all criteria of good and evil, then our free judgment renders to us the kingdom of God. He is the unconditioned good. And the death of Jesus Christ is an example of these, of these components of his will, his destiny, and his, his predestination, so to speak. We read in John chapter 10, no one takes it, meaning his life, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. He's saying, don't be deceived to think that I simply fell into my death because human authority or human power has prevailed. I chose this. I chose not only for myself to be killed, but also to raise it up. This is my will because my, my will seeks goodness. This is my destiny because I created people with the gift of free will. And I was predestined to this because I desire to save my creation. All of it, though, because of love. And we hear from St. Paul to the Romans, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, to those who are called according to his promise, purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, when he predestined these, he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So there's a lot of stuff going on in this, in this verse, but to understand it, especially the, even the whole what, you know, being predestined and our free will, we have to read the passage in reverse. So I am glorified because I am justified, because I am called, because I am predestined, because of his foreknowledge that I will love God. Okay? I'll say that again. I am glorified because I am justified, because I am called, and it's because I am predestined, because he has foreknowledge, that I will love God. That I seek good. That I seek my will to be the will of God, by the Spirit of God who contains all criteria of good and evil. And so this is the fruit of identity, knowing who the Father is in light of knowing who Jesus is. And Jesus, he said, one cannot come to the Father without me. So unless we come to know Jesus Christ, we cannot come to know the Father. 
And so if I have an identity, in which my identity belongs to Jesus Christ, then I cannot have the will of God. And the other is that being a free agent and determining what is good to me, not, ju- not what is good for me, but what is good to me. Sometimes we separate these two things, like, like saying, I want to do what is right. But really, we want that which is right to be what I believe is good. Like when I like something, to like already that which is good. Because maybe, again, after the fall, many times the things that we like are not the things that are good. And so, determining what is good to me is only if I accept that I matter. Is only to accept that I am important. What do we say whenever someone receives grace, the graces of God? What do we say after? Actually, it was in the um, in the Synaxar with Saint John the Short um, when the angel appeared and said, "What we say it when someone is baptized at weddings." Axios, worthy. Axios, worthy. We're saying you are important. Important are you. Valuable are you. Worthy, coming from worth. You are worth something great. So, you have become worthy of these graces when you engage in them. A divine grace has come upon you. And that is why, again, we say it after, even, even after every sacrament, even when we do baptism and chrismation, we do them together, even though they are different sacraments, yet we say axios twice, once after the baptism and once after the chrismation. Worthy are you. Important are you. It reiterates that by invoking the Spirit of God, that the whole kingdom of God has come upon you. And this is what is important. This is where my worth is. This is why I am predestined. I am predestined because I love God. I am not predestined because I don't have a choice. I am predestined because I choose, because my free will is to love God. Instead of finding worth and value or importance in ourselves, sometimes we put all of our worth in the worldly things. And we put all of our, like, this is, this is really what is important. You know, if I don't marry this person, then, like, like I, I'm, I'm, I have no value. If I don't get this job, I, interview, I interviewed for this job, and this is the job that I know is going to be, is going to be worth my, my time and my energy, and it, and it is going to make me feel important, and I will be an important person with this job or maybe for for youth thinking about college i must be in this university i have to go to that university because that is when i will find there will be value my potential salary will be significantly higher than if i you know went to a different school or like this is the program that's really going to define me but there's no it doesn't matter about my free will 
when it comes to these things and how it affects my, my spiritual life, my free will, the one that I, that I submit to God. So we put so much worth in everything in the world and if, the, if I don't have these things, I won't be happy. But I am, I am worth much more than whether or not those things pan out the way I wanted. Because as many of you know, that we have these grand feelings towards the things in the world and then they abandon us. Those things abandon us. We get, we get fired, we get moved, we get, uh, uh, you know, things change in our families. All of these things fizzle out. All of, the, all of these things eventually become insignificant. And what God is saying like, yeah, all of those things are really insignificant. Because what is significant is not just me, but what is significant is you. What is significant is you and what is significant is the relationship that we have together. Why I created you. So God gives us this life to choose according to our free will. God, he graces us without imposing on our free will. Yes, he participates with us in the world, but always without imposing on our free will. And he participates to remind us that everything surrounding our free will is out of love. May our freedom be directed towards God, that his kingdom may come upon us. To him be the glory both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Blessed are they in true.